The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. see you. This is Pastor Chris, and in a million years, I would not have imagined that I would be preaching to you this week uh, from Uvalde, Texas. For me, Uvalde is a place that um, I'd go if we were coming through on a camping trip. We might be on a church retreat, going to Lady Lodge. Maybe you've grown up, get to see the beauty of a place like Garner State Park, and uh, many of us know this is part of our great state it's salt of the earth beautiful people close to mexico which means there's great taquerias and beautiful people and this week we've seen um, well maybe one of the most significant uh, losses uh, that we can even imagine and so as a church we're asking the question what what do we do how do we respond what what would jesus do for me I, and for many my age, we didn't grow up in an age where mass shootings were common. In fact, they were really rare. I don't remember uh, any mass shootings when I was in high school. Um, I, I was in my freshman year at Baylor and there was one of the first, what still is one of the worst in Texas history, in 1991 when I was a freshman in Waco, right down the street in Colleen at a, at a Luby's uh, that I was at with my grandparents just a month before. And all of a sudden you realize the world was becoming a dangerous place since then. Uh, the world has changed, and, and literally since uh, 2011, these mass shootings have tripled to the point that there is a mass shooting almost every 64 days. And in the last couple of weeks, we've experienced uh, a tragic shooting in Buffalo, uh, a racist incident uh, where a shooter with body armor and an automatic weapon uh, wreaked havoc on salt of the earth, beautiful elderly people in a grocery store. Uh, I lost a friend in a church shooting in California. In fact, he was a friend from Baylor, Dr. John Chang. And John was uh, uh, ahead of me at Baylor. Uh, I used to see him out practicing uh, Taekwondo on the tennis courts. And he es essentially rescued and saved the people uh, in that church when he lost his life attacking a shooter. And this week, um, we've seen second, third, and fourth graders killed needlessly. And you may wonder, what, what would Jesus do or what would Jesus say? And as we read the Bible, there are um, a few key insights. Um, most of you know, as you read the Bible, Jesus is and stands uniquely in history as a figure for nonviolence. Uh, Gandhi says he learned nonviolence from Jesus. Martin Luther King Jr. obviously learned nonviolence from Jesus. Almost anyone that espouses a lifestyle of nonviolence, they learned it from Jesus. He taught us uh, not just to love those in our family, but to love our enemies, uh, to pray for those who persecute us, to turn the other cheek when we're struck on one cheek and to give the other. And so when Jesus speaks out of turn from that kind of teaching, it's, it's alarming. And what we see in a beautiful and important passage in Matthew chapter 18, is that Jesus called over, it tells us, a little child, and he put his hand on top of the child's head. 
And Jesus said, this is the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. And in that kingdom, the most humble who are most like this child are the greatest. And whoever welcomes a child welcomes him or her in my name. They welcome me. And he said, do not lead one of these astray. And then Jesus goes from sounding like the Messiah and teacher and rabbi that we knew to somebody different. He says, it would be better for you if you lead one of these kids astray. He says, if, if you lead them into harm's way. One translation says, if they were to fall literally and skin their knee. It would be better for you to be dragged down with a millstone and drowned in the bottom of the sea. What happened there? Jesus goes from being this love your enemies to, it sounds like a line from the Godfather. The Godfather says, right? You're, you're gonna be sleeping with the fishes. It's what Jesus was saying. He said, you'd be better off drowned with a millstone around your neck. And, and we get the sense, right? The same Jesus that was so peaceful and so loving that used a weapon in the temple when he was angry with this righteous anger to say, this is not okay. And we get the sense if Jesus were to see a kid not just harmed, but witness what we've heard of this week, he would be beyond angry. Jesus would have not turned over the temples. He'd have burned the temple down. And with great strength, he tells us, if you don't protect these children, right, then you're, you're not with me. So what are we to do, Ecclesia, in a week? where we're reminded that there are lunatics, there are predators. We've seen even within the largest denomination of Southern Baptists that there were people that chose not to protect even children from sexual predators. What, what kind of world do we live in and what are we to do? In Matthew 26, Jesus reminds Peter that if you live in a world of violence, and you rely on violence for your means, it's going to come back to you. He says, Peter, as he tries to defend him with violence, put your sword back. People who live by the sword die by the sword. And Ecclesia, we live in a world where violence sometimes serve us. And at this point, it comes back and we begin to realize what will it take for us to be people that are truly peacemakers. And so I wanna invite you as best I can as we fight back the tears together to consider a few simple truths that may help us through this time. And here's the first. This is what I wanna invite you to do, Ecclesia. Feel your anger. If you're like me, there are times you're angry at politicians, you're angry at the shooter, you're angry at whoever he bought this gun from that didn't ask like, what are you using this for? You're buying it on your 18th birthday. What, what's going on? You're, you're angry likely at almost anyone. You're angry at the people you disagree with and I wanna encourage you, just as Paul did in Ephesians 4, he said, in your anger, don't let it lead you into sin. So this is what I wanna encourage you not to do. Don't take your anger out on the people that live in your house, the people that are your friends on social media, the people you disagree with, don't do that. But feel your anger, it's a reminder you're alive. If you're not angry when children are hurt, then you have no sense of justice, right? Feel that anger, it's okay. It means you're all right. In fact, even if you choose to use some bad words, right? I've used more bad words. What I tell my kids growing up, there's no such thing as a bad word. There's a word used at an inappropriate time. 
And there are no words bad enough to describe how ugly this is and what we've seen. And so I wanna encourage you to feel it. Secondly, I wanna ask you to do this. Will you express that grief and anger in healthy ways? After my trip to Ukraine last month, I was struggling with a lot of the stories. In fact, I struggled to get into my therapist to deal with some of them. And then all of a sudden, as we welcomed a group of Ukrainians in our church at Ecclesia, and I got to see them laugh, it brought a lot of things to the surface. In fact, I went home that night and the only thing I felt like I could do was create some artwork, right? And uh, I'm not a great painter. Nobody's offered to buy any of my paintings, but I chose to paint, right? And I gave these gifts uh, to team members from Ecclesia that have just returned from the Poland-Ukraine border. And it was an opportunity just to express what I was feeling. I, I've learned that to exercise is a really good thing, to take a bath, to take a nap, to offer real self-care. And this is what I wanna invite you to do. As you deal with that anger, metabolize it. Allow it to exit your body. Talk to a therapist, talk to a friend, go to a support group. Don't take it out on others, express it in a healthy way. Thirdly, and especially in this location. Ecclesia, we're at Templo Cristiano. I wanna invite you to pray for the pastor here, Pastor Joe Ruiz. This church is less than a mile from the elementary school. We're just down the street. And in this church, there are numerous family members that have lost children, nieces and nephews. One of those kids today has now recovered from surgery and is doing better and we're grateful to God for that. I wanna invite you to do two things, to avoid two things. Will you avoid some of the cliches that come in this season and some of the flawed logic? And let me tell you what I mean by both. When we're in a time of loss, people want to try to make it better. They wanna make it better by saying things like, well, maybe God wanted those kids home or I can't even begin to articulate. I've been at funerals with people when I hear people say things like this and I wanna look them in the eye and go, who in the hell do you think you are? Right. Let them feel their pain. And there are no excuses. There are no soft words that are gonna let us let this go. We won't. In fact, I, I taught you a couple of weeks ago from the life of Anna Spafford. Anna Spafford lost six children over the course of her life. It was harmful, it was hurtful. Her husband wrote a song called It Is Well With My Soul. But the truth is that Anna Spafford didn't deal with her grief in a healthy way. And she tried to pretend as though it was well with her soul when it wasn't. And I gotta tell you, this loss is not well with my soul. It's not okay with me. And then I wanna invite you to avoid some of the flawed logic that comes in this season. One of the worst is this sense of, uh, of it being an either or rather than a both and. What you'll hear people say is, well, this is the reason, right? Well, it's mental health, it's not guns. And you'll hear people say, no, it's guns, it's not mental health. You say, this kid, we didn't even know if he had a mental health issue. He had an anger issue. Apparently he, his coworkers at Wendy's saw that he had an anger issue. But what, what do we do? And people began to say, well, you don't do this, do this. Well, how about we do all of it? How about we help lift up and build up kids? How about we help make teachers more secure? How about we limit the access for kids to get guns that literally as I crossed the border of Ukraine, I haven't told you this story, but when I crossed the border from Poland to Ukraine, uh, there was one tent on the other side in the Ukraine, one tent only. On the Poland side, there were many tents feeding and caring for people. On the Ukraine side, there was one tent, and that tent was for people to sign up as foreign fighters. 
we walked across and we looked at the tent and they looked at us and apparently somebody thought I was ready to fight. I looked at them, I'm a pastor, I'm not here to be a soldier. But at that place, if you sign up, they'll give you an AK-47, right? an inferior weapon to the one that was purchased by this 18-year-old kid. Right? It's a weapon of war. And it doesn't matter who you are. Right? There is no reason for a kid to have access to that kind of gun and get into that kind of a school. And so what we want to do are be a people that don't say, well, don't um, keep the gun out of his hand, focus on mental health. No, do both. Avoid the flawed logic that takes place in this season. And this is what I want to invite you to do, two more, is to use your power. You've been given power, you've been given influence, and you've been given a vote. And you know what, the kids in this elementary school, they don't have a vote. And one of the best things that happened to us as a church have been these moments that we turn to our kids and we ask our kids, like, what should we do? Advent Conspiracy was born out of an opportunity to turn to our kids and say, if it's Jesus' birthday at Christmas, what should we do? And the kids said, you should give gifts to Jesus. And they knew better than we did as adults that God told us if we wanna give gifts to Jesus, we give gifts to the least of these. It's just what we do. And we learned to do it. We gotta ask our kids, kids, do you feel comfortable? Do you feel safe? Knowing that there are guns out there that people like this can use, what, how do you feel? How should we vote? How should we protect you? What would you like? We should talk to our kids and empower them. And in the process, we may learn that our rights are to be used, our power is to be used to help the weak and the powerless, not to make our life easy, right? When this crazy shoe bomber got on a plane, he didn't even kill anyone. But he had something, explosives inside his insole and he couldn't blow it up. But after that moment, you know what we do when we go to the airport? We take off our shoes, all of us, we take them off. Unless you're pre-checked, then you get to go through with them on. But the rest of us, we take off our shoes. And when we go through, we're reminded, like there was that one guy and this is inconvenient, but if it keeps us safe, we'll do it. And I gotta tell you, I'd take a cavity search every week if we could keep our kids safe. What do I need to go through? What do I need to do? What do we need to do? Let's commit to it and let's do it. And let's dream of a world like the prophet Isaiah offered, where God said, let's turn these weapons into garden tools. Let's plant tomatoes instead. And Ecclesia, we wanna be a people that do just that. Then lastly, this is what I wanna ask you to do. Stay connected to this pain. What we often have done in this season is that we felt these, we've wanted to do something, we've called our senators, we've taken some action, and then we forget. This is what I wanna to suggest to you. You can take a break. In fact, I was walking out the door to take my son Christian with my brother to an Astros game when the news flash came across my phone. I gotta tell you in that moment, it was important that I was with Christian. I wasn't ready to cancel my plans. It came across my phone and I thought, I can't even process this yet. And I didn't. I went to the Astros game and I got to talk to my brother. We're worried about my dad. He's been in the hospital. He's had some heart conditions. It looks like because of that, he's not gonna be able to make it to my wedding celebration coming up. There was a lot to process. We had to say, this is hard. And after an Astros win and we cheered him on, then I pulled back and I actually started to read. 
and I cried and I grieved. And I'm gonna have some times going forward. My wedding's gonna be one of them, by the way, where I'm gonna hit pause on bereavement. In fact, in the Jewish tradition, as you grieved, the only thing you would stop your grief for and the season of bereavement was for a wedding. It was as if to say the Jews were saying, love is the only thing that's more powerful than death. I wanna ask you to celebrate with me. I've got a lot to celebrate. I've been through some hard times and God's delivered in beautiful and magnificent ways. And I'm gonna ask you to celebrate with me. But then I'm gonna ask you to reconnect to this pain. And we're gonna connect to this church. Today, we get to buy empanadas and fried chicken for their prayer vigil. It's not much, but it's something. And we're gonna commit to pay for therapy for people because we're a church that's gonna make that kind of commitment. And I wanna invite you to be a participant in all of that. And that means we just participate in the life of Ecclesia. We participate in this spiritual life. We give and we share together so that we can be generous in these moments. And I wanna invite you to pray for Templo Cristiano, for Pastor Joe Ruiz, and for the people of Uvalde, and for the families affected. Will you pray with me? Ecclesia, we believe God has a plan for us. And Lord, we ask that as we gather in this spot, in this city that's been such a beautiful place that's been defiled by this pain. We wanna ask you to be with these families and we want to pray that in the midst of this pain, we would do something to end this. We're reminded of the story of Telemachus, a monk in the fourth century that was credited with ending the gladiator games where these uh, people, this fighting was so senseless and he finally stepped forward, he was slain and he said, in the name of Christ, stop. And we pray something similar. In the name of Christ, would these shootings cease? And will we be the people that step forward in a way that take action? We do call our senators. We do act in terms of mental health for our young people. We watch for our neighbors and we protect our kids at all costs. Lord, we pray that you would be with us as we grieve this deep and profound loss and we make sense with our children of a world that's broken. God, bring your restoration and your peace in a way that only you can. We pray this prayer and we pray it in your name. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. So our team, our downtown ministry team, already had plans this Thursday to, uh, to join together at the Houston uh, Museum of Fine Art. And we went ahead with those those plans uh, as a team, knowing that we, we needed to take this pause, to, to, to practice this rhythm, one of our core rhythms of Ecclesia, to seek beauty, and especially to seek beauty during uh, a week and during a, a time in our lives where there is so much ugly in the world. And I found myself standing in front of a, uh, a painting that I've, I've uh, paused to ponder many times before. It's one of my favorites in the entire collection, and it really caught me anew this time. Uh, this is from uh, American Impressionist Mary Cassatt, and it's called Susan Comforting the Baby. And I've always paused because of the expression on this, <laughs> this child's face, this, this troubled expression, and, and this mother speaking words of, of comfort. And I'm a, 
Enneagram 4, so I'm very tied into my, my feelings. And so for me, it's not just troubled. I see this child as bearing this, this existential weight of the world, a weight that only seems to be growing uh, a heavier burden day by day, crisis by crisis. And as, as a parent, as, as adults, what do, we, what do we say? What can we possibly say in times like these? And so we, all of us, I know, are, are still in this time of, of processing. And, and Julie mentioned, we are, are uh, providing resources for parents, for, for you to talk to, to, to your kids and to process these events. Um, later on this week, on, on Thursday night, I'm hosting an event over Zoom, uh, a return of, of my sacred frames and, and uh, getting to process through the, the, the lens of, of film, uh, a movie that was released last year, Mass, which is... A, a really hard uh, topic as, as parents uh, process the, the after events of, of a, a school shooting. And we'd love to have you there for that. We're gonna continue to, to process in relationship with Pastor Joe and Templo Cristiano in Uvalde. Because if you've been around Ecclesia for any stretch of time, you know this, that we're not going anywhere. That we're gonna continue to be in relationship with Pastor Joe, with this community in mourning, just as we have and will with our friends in Ukraine, just as we have and will with our friends in Venezuela, our brothers and sisters, and, and far beyond so many uh, parts around the world. That we're grateful that we get to continue to be a part of God's work as a church in that way. But I get it, it's exhausting. And I've talked to many of you, you're exhausted, I'm exhausted, I hear you. We can't be everywhere. But we say as a church often that we do for one what we wish we could do for all. And that's what we're gonna continue to do. But how do we do that? The Apostle Paul in Galatians, he says it this way, so let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. But how do we not grow weary? And Pastor Chris invited us into a few of those rhythms. We need to be able to care well for ourselves, our bodies, our families, our close-knit communities in times like these. And so what does that look like for you? That may be creative expression. That may, may be mo moving your body. For me this week, it has meant uh, putting a, a hard limits on the amount of time I can be on social media and I've had to just drag myself, pull myself away because we can stay in forms without being inundated. And if you're anything like me, I can easily become overwhelmed by the flood of it and just want to, to, to push it away, to ignore it and to put my head in the sands. And we can't, we can't. And we continue to pray. We pray for Pastor Joe, we pray for those lost and their families in Uvalde, this community, these losses that will reverberate for years, for generations. We pray for our legislators and we pray in a way that leads us then into action, that it's never divorced from, from us becoming a part of an answer to those very prayers. And this is the rhythm of Jesus. Jesus would be, find himself overwhelmed by the crowds, surrounded by such 
sickness and hurting and all of those crying out for rescue. And Jesus would often pull away to the hills and the mountains and he would pause and he would pray to be renewed. But then always he would go back. And that is our rhythm. It's like breathing. We breathe in and this is the spiritual practice that allows us to renew, to be sustained, to receive, to pray so that we can then exhale and be sent out into the world as the people of God. Because if we don't breathe in, we die. If we don't breathe out, we die. We need to live in to this rhythm. And Jesus models this to us all the way to the very end. It's so comforting to me to know that we worship a God who knows what it is to feel such sadness, such anger, such despair. In the garden, he's on his hands and knees. It says he literally cries tears of blood as he's crying out to the Father, Lord, take this cup from me so I don't have to drink it. But yet, not my will, but thy will be done. And so, Ecclesia, we are in a time of, of grief and processing. And maybe it's a time that we all need to collect ourselves to breathe in so that we can breathe out, we can exhale, we can be the church, we can get to work in being a part of the solution so that this may never happen again. Let us not grow weary in doing good. The world needs the love of Christ and the love of Christ is manifest in powerful ways, unlike any other powerful ways in and through the life of the people of God, the church. And so may that be so. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.